to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you were ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Sorry, I have the emphasis. Because that, that's been really, really important for me. Um, walking in the ways that, that God has, this is just a weird season for me. So that's been a, a very, very um, kind of like a pillar for us. And I love, love how Tim kind of dictates that for our, our year um, thank you, Preston, for those awesome words. Um, the work that we did here uh, was not my idea. Um, thus, I can't take credit for it. Just here. Just here to sweat and enjoy and, and have something fun uh, to be a part of. So last week, Tim started this series on offense. Um, I, I, I like Tim's approach to, and I'm not going to downgrade, but the petty offenses that we come in contact with day in and day out. Uh, I use Jed's shirt. I think you, you, you picked up on You stole it from me in the second service. Uh, you know, Jed's shirt has polka dots and offends me because I'm a stripes kind of guy, you know? Uh, and so, so, so Tim kind of picked up on those things that, that we come in contact with every day, and Tim says, just don't be offendable. Don't allow those things uh, that we... we that can stick to us, don't let them stick. I, Tim, I think Tim has this spiritual gift of like mental Teflon. Like he's just learned over 30 years of pastoring not to allow those things to infiltrate his spirit or his heart or his mind or his family or his home or his church. He just kind of lets them fly on by. It's kind of cool. Okay, it was, it was a good, good work last week. So I want, I want to transition a little bit this week and pick up on that same offense but there's some things in life that we can't just dismiss. They're like those old cast iron pots. You put something in it and it sticks to it if you don't use canola oil or, or lard. <laughs> you know, not the refined coconut oil. Uh, so there's these times in life where offenses really, really take our breath away. We can't say, ouch, that offended me or ouch, that hurt me. I have two kids. We put them in the car. We drive down the road. And you know what's going on in the, in the back seat by what you hear. Mommy, Micah touched me. Mommy, she threw a book on the ground. I dropped a sock. My shoe, pull over my shoe. It's on the floor. <laughs> like, it's okay. You've got another one. Play with it. Like, you, you know the types of offenses that are happening behind you by the rhetoric that's going on. Okay, but there's times in our life where I'm, where I'm, I'm being a parent, we're, we're playing in the backyard, and he's running across the backyard, I'm sitting there with my lemonade, just chilling, enjoying the sun, he's got his bat in his hand and a ball in the other hand, and dog's running around, it's just kind of chaotic, full blast, and he trips over something in the yard, flies through the air, the bat hits him in the stomach, he falls on his face, flips over, skins his knee, gets grass stains on his pants, which is always the worst when you get, for him, like he messes up his jeans and 
He didn't get that from me. Uh, <laughs> but the outcome isn't um, defined by words. He falls. We, ha- we have this impact. I see this impact. And what happens to our kids? We run over to them. We pick them up, and they're going. <gasps> you, you've seen it, right? Put your, you pat on the back, pat them on the back. You say, breathe, breathe, breathe. Because the, the pain or the offense was so great, there wasn't words to articulate it in the moment. Anybody been there? Anybody had times in life where, where you, you know, the, something happens and the offense takes our breath away? We can't just say, ouch, that offended me because it was so quick, it was so impactful. So Tim talked a lot about like strangers last week who give us those petty things. Sad but true, more times than not, the things that take our breath away come from people that are the closest to us, right? Our family. Uh, I want to look at 10 chapters in the Old Testament in Genesis. And I want to sort of look at how offenses can be a part of our life in a very practical way. There's a lot of theological stuff that we could dive into. We can talk about types and shadows and the Old Testament and, and covenant theology and, and all this like really, really good theological stuff. Um, but by trade, I'm a, I'm a uh, marriage and family therapist. And, and I sometimes read the text. Well, that's really, I'm going to use the word screwed up. Is that okay? Um, that's really screwed up. Ew, that offended me. Uh, okay, so... Real quickly, I want, to, I want to just try to run through these and, and look at offenses within the family system. Okay, anybody like Family Feud growing up? Uh, loved that thing. Loved that thing growing up. So Tim, Tim, Tim kind of gave me this outline of you know, family feuds or ending family feuds, so it's kind of stuck with, with me. So let's look at Genesis 21. I'm just going to just try to run right through. Everybody got their Bible? Like, I literally had to dust this thing off because I used my phone so much and my iPad, and, like, it was on the shelf, and I literally had to, like, <laughs> it was bad. Um, but it's my study Bible. This one I like to, like, actually read and mark up and all that kind of fun stuff. So Isaac is born in Genesis 21, not to, like, 30-year-olds, not to, like, 40-year-olds, not to, like, 50-year-olds. Like, people who are really old. That's kind of weird. <laughs> Like, so we're going to jump right off into this story with two old people having a kid, doing married things. It's kind of weird. Um, so we have, we have the beginning of a conflict. Anybody have new babies? Nobody? Yes? Yes? You know, we've got two and one on the way. We're kind of weird. Um, babies bring conflict into families especially when you can't get on the floor and you're like 150 years old, you're down there trying to like play with your kids. Like they, they bring some conflict. Okay. So sometimes I've seen in family doing therapy and stuff where Susie has a kid or John has a kid and it just kind of disrupts the whole family because everybody gets mad and goes, why don't you hang out with us anymore? <laughs> well, we had a kid, you know, and I slept for three hours last night and, and you know, I, don't, I can't go ride motorcycles anymore with you friend. And people get really offended uh, when life, nature, takes its role, okay? Genesis 22. We could talk about this one for like a whole series. Abraham's, this is what my Bible says in the little title of, of chapter 22, Abraham's faith is confirmed. 
It's silly, because I read, I read that story. It's like, that's not a confirmation. Like, Abraham got duped by God. <laughs> Does anybody know the story? So God says, hey, chapter 21, I'm going to give you this kid. He's going to be a promise to you. But then in, in the very next chapter, in the very next breath, God says, hey, I want you to build an altar. I'm going to take your kid by the hand, grab some firewood and your knife and your Zippo, and I want you to go kill him for me. I've seen this before. Kids don't understand why dad had to pick them up out of their family, out of their like middle school um, when they're 13 years old or whatever from Mississippi and move them all the way to California because God said, hey, I've got to take our family somewhere. And this family transition has caused a huge breathtaking offense for generations. I sit in therapy with 25-year-olds who are doing heroin and stuff like that, and my daddy wasn't over there. I felt like my dad was just on his own mission, and maybe dad was really obeying God, and kid was just offended because he was naive. Okay? Things happen. So, obviously, uh, Isaac doesn't die, thankfully, right? <laughs> like, so, there's this kind of covenant, and out of the, out of the side of the, the eye that, you know, He's got the knife back like this, and he's about to take care of Isaac. <laughs> Fire's going good, and I'm going to throw him on there. God says, hey, don't do that. There's a ram. Get, get the ram over here. Put him on there. And Isaac's like, dad didn't kill me. <laughs> okay, so there's some drama here. There, there's some drama. So we're going we're gonna to continue to look at this. I, you know, we have, we have movies like with Noah and the Passion of Christ and Moses and these dramatic Hollywood events out of Scripture and I don't know why anybody hasn't picked these up yet. Like, this is good Jerry Springer stuff that, that, is, that is in our Bible. Like, we read it, we're like, oh, all oh, the covenant theology. I love covenant theology. And God is so awesome that he would provide for, for us, and we can, we can live in that covenant. No, that covenant's in the midst of a very, very offensive story. It's a family, Right? So we read on. Genesis 23. Mom dies. Sarah, this lady, lived to be 127 years old. So this patriarch who's lived 127 years has been, has been the mom of this kid for like four years. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, this was a joke. Like she was really old when she had him. Okay. Uh, dies. How many have had a death in life that took your breath away? Maybe a mom, maybe a cousin, maybe a best friend, uh, a teacher, or a mentor. Death has a sting, right? I love that promise when we, when we read on further in our Bible that death doesn't have a sting. We sing it a lot. Death, you're not going to have any more sting. We're going to get to promises in a minute, though. Uh, so mom dies. So chapter 24, Rebecca, not, not, not our Rebecca. She's not that old. Um, I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm not going to get invited back. <laughs> there's not a time limit really on the second service. So I'm just going to, you know, there's, <laughs> um, so Abraham says, Isaac, you need to find a wife. 
you need to not go over here, but you need to go over here. And you, you need to find a good wife. You need to find a, a wife that is going to follow you. Right? That's a big deal. Right? How, how, many, how many wives or relationships have you seen in a covenant relationship where the, the husband's over here doing this thing and the wife is way over here doing this thing and you're looking at him going, how does that work? How does that work? How? And you watch offense year after year, offense build and build and bitterness and bitterness and bitterness and building and building. And the husband's over here. He's in the man cave. And the wife's over here at the nail salon. And you watch bitterness. And our lawyers in here, anybody in here? You know, we have this irreconcilable differences takes place. You know, because I, I like what the story says. Abraham says, find a woman who's going to follow you. I was talking with my, my in-laws. They were in town for about 24, 48 hours. And my mother-in-law was struggling because she raised three girls, and they've all left Atlanta. And she's like, what is wrong with me? What is, why don't, you know, kind of a pity party. And, and we called it out. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling because my kids are leaving. And father-in-law says, yeah, but that's what we've taught them to do. We've taught them to be autonomous. We've taught them to be in godly relationships. We've taught them to follow what God has designed them to be and to do. Thankfully, I don't live in Atlanta. I get to live in Texas. I get to live in Fort Worth. And my bride is here, okay? Because Abraham saw it uh, very pertinent to find a wife that would leave and go with him. So Genesis 25. Does that resonate with anybody? Y'all feel free, like it gets really quiet, um, and, and I don't know what's happening. I can't see you. Um, so it, I'm used to like talking with somebody four and a half feet away, and they go, yes, yes, no, and they just talk, and I'm, I'm, you know, I take notes. And so uh, I'm a therapist by trade, if you didn't get that. Um, Chapter 25, Abraham dies. So this is the sum, verse 7, 25. This is the sum of the years of Abraham, which the life he lived. 125 years, Abraham breathed his last. So again, death can resonate and take our breath away. Um, I, I can remember um, my, my mom's dad very specifically. And I can remember the smells of his truck. I can remember sitting in the garage. I can remember um, just some very intimate things because he was a large part of my life when I was little. And sometimes I th I, we can begin to ruminate on some of those things. And when we, those things aren't taken care of um, in a specific way, those memories, they can kind of turn sour, right? So again, I can think, oh, I, red man chew, you know, was, was, or, or whatever the chew of the week was for grandpa. Uh, you know, that, that, those memories and those things can, can turn into sour things for us. Death can be very offensive, right? Okay? If we, if we don't take care, if we don't heal from that properly, we'll, we'll get to that, it can be very offensive. So halfway through 25, we're going we're gonna to get a, a, a double part of 25. There's a lot here. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife in, in verse 21 because she was barren. I went on a little rabbit trail first service, but guys, plead for your wife. 
like plead for her. Like God has designed you to kind of be up here and not not in a authoritarian way, but wives under here, guys here. Take care of your wives. Take care of them. Uh, and the Lord granted his plea. Verse 22, the children struggled together within her, and she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So she has twins. First one comes out, he's all hairy and he's red, so they call him Esau. The second one comes out, his name is Jacob. He's grabbing the heel of his twin brother, and so they call him heel grabber or deceiver, one who takes things from other people. How would you like for that to be your name? <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> My name is Mephibosheth, and it's 2016. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so, so sometimes the, the names that we receive from our parents can be offensive if dad's a drunkard, right? And, and I have to live with this last name, Davis. And, and my dad was known as the guy who ran around. My, my dad didn't. But, but I see this a lot. My dad was the guy who sold drugs. Or my ga- dad was the guy. On, maybe my dad was the guy on the platform. And that became a sore spot for me. It became offensive to me because I don't like that. I, you guys are, I just, I respect you guys so much for following your dad. That's huge. That says a lot about your character and a lot about his love for you and how he's discipled you. So, back at you. Um, so, we got, so we got two guys, two brothers, feuding, fighting. Um, time flies. We're going to, we'll just wrap this up then. All right. Don't tell me that. Um, I like black churches because they don't have clocks in the wall or anything like that. So uh, you just keep going. Like you bring snacks and stuff like that. <laughs> so, so, we'll, so we'll wrap it up. right. So families, so Jacob and Esau, this thing plays out. One day Esau's out hunting, playing in the field, and comes back in, and he says, bro, I'm starving. You're using that coconut oil. I love it. <laughs> Jacob says, well, well, trade me your birthright. Give me the very thing that my family has sort of predestined for me, has, the very thing that God has given me. I want to trade that for something immediate. Jacob says, done. Sign right here. Here's your soup. I will deceive you, and I will continue to deceive you, and I will continue to take from you. You may have been in that situation where a family member or somebody loved you has taken from you, either emotionally or spiritually or financially. Okay? We, we, can, we, can, we can be honest, okay? Because our families can sometimes be the source, the greatest source of our pain. We read on, it happens again. Isaac dying, Jacob sneaks in there, steals the birthright again. 28, Jacob has a dream. God's going to give him this land. Genesis 29, Jacob marries Leah first because his uncle deceives him. He works for seven years for, for a girl that he doesn't even get. 
<laughs> he married, keeps, he's married her for her a week, and then he finally has to work another seven years to get the woman that he loves, he wants to be with. Genesis 30, Leah has six children. The wife he really doesn't even like gives him six boys. That's a lot, even for those days. Uh, to have six men um, be born of your womb is, is huge because those men take care of things. Rachel, who is barren, that's a big thing. When you can't give a man a son, it's big. She goes to him, what's wrong with you? Are you not a man of God? He says, woman, no, it's not my fault that you can't have kids. Ouch. That's offensive. Ouch. That takes my breath away when circumstances bring offense that we can't really control. The story continues. It's so screwed up. These 10 chapters are just so screwed up. If we look at them from a family systems perspective, they're so messed up. And I think if we look at our lives from the same perspective, none of us are awesome. None of our, none of our families are just awesome. We've been through divorce. We've been through debt. We've been through trials. We've been through failures. We've been through deceit. Okay, right? I mean, I'm just being real this morning. If, if, if this isn't, if, if I'm way off, somebody throws something at me. Here's what happens. Anybody seen the, the, the Princess Bride? Great flick, okay? Here in this scene, we got the Sicilian, we got Buttercup, and we got Wesley. And, you know, he's stealing the bride. The Sicilian says, well, you've beaten my giant, so you must be really strong. You've beaten my swordsman, so you must be really athletic. But I'm really smart. You can't beat my intellect. I've got this giant bald head. <laughs> really smart. So Wesley takes the, uh, some Iocane powder or something, throws it in both glasses of wine. He switches them around. He says, okay, here's a duel. I'm going to put one in front of you and one in front of me. And we're going to drink. We're going to see who dies. And Sicilian pontificates on all these things and takes a drink of the wine. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Princess goes, how did you do it? Wesley goes, I've dealt with pain for so long. I've just nurtured it. I've just protected it. I've let it grow. I've let it govern my life. I would take little parts of that poison and train myself day in and day out. So when I get to sit across from the Sicilian, when somebody tries to double cross me, pain doesn't really hurt me anymore. Sin will do that in our family. Sin and offense will do that in our family. Sin and offense will destroy your family and destroy your legacy. So I want to encourage you today that little, little, little tidbit from Don Henley, quit your whining, you're pitching a fit, and get over it. It's an eagle song. Get over it. Somebody Google it and read the lyrics later. Okay. <laughs> Not, not, in a, not in a superficial way. Get over it. Stop allowing sin and offense to ruin your family. Okay? Secondly, I want you to focus on the promise and not on the pain. So if we go back and read those 10 chapters, we're going to see a promise 
that's associated with the pain. Isaac was a promise. It was a promise of the covenant. It was a promise of this Abrahamic thing. Jacob picked up this Abrahamic covenant from chapter 21 and 22 in his life, and he has this dream, and he says, okay, why am I going to this land? These people are going to kill me. What is going on? Why am I taking my son up the hill? Because the pain is usually associated with the promise. God just asked me to do something really big. And walk away from a very, very good career. I have no idea why. I'm in the midst of some pain, some turmoil, some, some unrest. But I can't focus on that. Because he's told me, Austin, I've predestined you. I know the plans that I have for you. I've called you to preach and teach and, and, and to guide people's lives. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. I told you that. I would provide for you. I told you I was El Shaddai. I told you that I gave you a helpmate. I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm just dragging Isaac up the hill because my pain right now is associated with the promise. Okay? So we're, we're sort of in this culture of, of Burger King, have it your way right away. We want things to be fast. We go to the gym, when we stick some steroids in our hip, we go, okay, because we're not willing to eat, you know, chicken at 6 a.m. and go to the gym and, and do that for like three years to, to build body mass. We just want it like four weeks, right? We go to doctor and we get ephedrine or we, we go and we get, I don't know, antidepressants. I'm not, I'm not getting it, but, but we're not willing to do the work. I love chapter 32. Uh, Jacob says, God, I'm done. I'm done. We're going to fight. <laughs> We're going to wrestle because I don't like my situation right now. I'm tired of my wife being barren. I'm tired of my kids being wayward. I'm tired of my finances being out of order. I'm tired of all these things that are taking the life away from my legacy. I'm going to fight. Some of you need to fight right now. Some of you, God is calling you to, to really stand up. I like this Old Testament, gird up your loins, <laughs> whatever that means, and fight very respectfully, very honorably. Stand before the King of Kings and the, and the Lord of Lords and say, you promise me. Come and fight. Stand with me. I'm a, I'm a practical kind of guy. So I want to give you something practical. A little antidote, if you will. In order for us to deal with this offense in our life, these things that take our breath away, we have to first recognize the offense. Stop ignoring the pain. We're really good at denial. Denial is a very powerful thing. But denial over time will kill us. Acknowledge that God can heal you. Not, not a trip to the woods, not a new bass boat, not a new girlfriend or new wife, but God, the author and the finisher of everything can restore us to sanity. Pray for forgiveness. Pray. 
Don't worry about who offended you. God says, if you have sin against your brother, what? Leave your gift at the altar. Go take care of that and then come back and offer something to me. Get, get going this way. Fourthly, write down the offenses. It's very easy for us to sort of bypass some things. It's very cathartic for us to write down dad, mom, brother, God, banks, lawyers, authority. Who offended me? Lastly, confess them to one another. I think it's James says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Forgiveness happens this way. Healing happens this way. I go to somebody I trust and I say, Preston, man, I'm burdened by this. I'm burdened by this sad truth that somebody in my life hurt me. I've done that with this guy. And I walk away going, awesome. I feel like 20 pounds lighter just because I said, somebody hurt me. So I want you to get in your head right now. Somebody, something that's offended you. Got it? Maybe if you don't have anything, that's good. Okay, and we're going to pray. I want to ask God to give you the wisdom and the courage to address that personally and relationally. Okay? So that you can kind of continue on this legacy journey that you're on. God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you don't give us a, a biblical text that's all nice and neat and pretty, that's unattainable. But you give us an example of people who are really, 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 really messed up. But in the midst of that pain and that offense, there's redemption, there's healing, there's a promise that we have from you. So Father, give us wisdom and courage to address the pain and the offense in our life. And I ask you to do that now. I ask you to remove that in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God, for your grace. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information on how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.